welcome to the Dollars and Lip Gloss podcast, where we talk about money with a little bit of gloss. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tosin. And in today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to generate income, but then also answering that pending question. Is entrepreneurship for everyone? So in last week's episode, we were talking about making money, but always spending it. And, you know, just the idea that poverty is a mindset. We came to the conclusion that although you do not have the money at the moment, you always have the mindset and the skill set to get yourself out of that situation. In this episode, we will be talking about different ways to generate income. Yeah, I'm actually very excited to talk about this topic because I feel like for us growing up African, specifically Nigerian, Mm -hmm. our parents really drilled in just about like three professions. (laughs) They really were giving us doctor, lawyer, or nurse. Like, those were like yes. the three main ones so. or engineer sometimes they'll throw an accountant in there if they were feeling feisty but <laughs> nothing nothing outside of those realms but right. i think as we're getting older we're understanding that there isn't just one track way to make money and a lot of these people a lot of these millionaires that we see most of them were not doctors lawyers or accountants you know some of them they probably started from that track but In essence, most of them kind of made money in other ways. The way to really get to that million is by starting a business. What do you think about that? That's very true. I think it's, I just recently really accepted the fact that you have to have multiple streams of income. Growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. And of course I had the passion of helping people, but like you could do that in different ways. But I thought if I was gonna be a doctor, specifically like an orthopedic surgeon specializing in spinal work. Wait, literally... <laughs> wait why was I supposed to be a surgeon too? Like Stop. my dad engraved it in my mind that I was going to be a surgeon. I went to- <laughs> medical and science schools my whole life I did the hospital programs I I was on the track to like this was the you're gonna be a doctor (laughs) it's so crazy though because like I really bought into that I thought that if I was gonna be a doctor I was gonna be the first millionaire of my family but like the amount of time that it takes the amount of dedication the amount of stress that you go through in a week like You have to really consider your lifestyle. You have to consider like your passion before you're going into things. You shouldn't just go into things with, I want to make money because at the end of the day, you won't be happy. You might not actually reach your life goals. The career is not the only factor in your life. And I think what you mentioned about passion being a driving force, I think sometimes, I know our parents come from a very, very good place and they want us to have that stability and they want us to have that sense of freedom that most of them probably didn't have as immigrants coming into another country and seeing that, okay, this is the path. It's easy, it's accessible, and I can do it in the time period that I'm at and I have kids. I need to make sure that I provide for these kids so I can can't really go around trying to fit in hours into a passion project. I have to kind of do what makes sense and what is reliable. But if you like the passion is the number one key ingredient to doing anything that you want to do, whether it is to be that doctor or to be that lawyer, you have to have some type of passion for what it is you're doing. I've mentioned so many times that I studied finance, but I had a genuine passion for it and I wanted to learn more about money and 
how to generate income, how to make money work for you, learn the economics of money. But I was able to put in those hours and not feel like I was doing something that was taking so much of my time because I had a genuine passion for it. And I feel like the most successful doctors are people who actually want to be doctors Mm -hmm. because that's 10 years of your life, essentially, that you're giving away. I don't know if I can give away 10 years of my life to something that I'm not truly passionate about. Yeah, that's a strong point, actually, because that was the same thing for me. I actually came into college undecided because I just really knew that I didn't want to make the wrong decision and get myself mm-hmm. stuck in a life path that I will later regret. I don't have a problem making the switch, but it's just like, why not just save the time? And I'm really glad that I did take my time. I eventually settled on computer science and it fits my personality the most because I'm into music. I'm into creativity. Everybody knows I love to talk. I love to think out loud. So computer science really allowed me to like, expand that part of my mind while also like i mean it's a like i won't lie pretty lucrative field but (laughs) so i just really like i love that i took the time to like figure out me and then figure out what i wanted in the beginning it was really hard like trying to explain to my dad like dad i want to do computer science he's like computers why (laughs) because he's a businessman all the way (laughs) and then my mom is like why not just do nursing? Like, mm-hmm. like it's just always so, but you have to just like know yourself. And when you know yourself, nothing can change th- your mind, you know? Yeah. And it's just by God's grace that both of our fields are very lucrative fields that you can still generate very good income from it. Like you're going to investment banking, you're out making 100k a year or any other finance role you're in that 90 to 100k and tech is just well tech is tech that's where the world is going and i see actually a lot more parents being open to the idea of technology and computer science lately because the world is ever changing and it's just amazing to see how the switch can come right it's like they're chasing after that lucrativeness they're chasing after that stability and I think that's just the the end all be all for them. I want you to be stable. And I think that comes with the mindset of a traditional nine to five, whether it's you being a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a salesman or somebody who just works in a regular corporate job, but you have that traditional, the nurses, the everything, they have that traditional nine to five of stability and they have a paycheck coming in every week. But one thing I've heard is a traditional nine to five is the first step to stifling creativity because you have that stability and you feel like you do not need to really do too much anymore. Mm -hmm. You're making stable income. The money is coming in. Why take the risk to be an entrepreneur or to be a content creator or to be anything else. Some people really are just okay with okay. Yeah, some people are okay with being okay. And I think it's because of the way the education system is. I was looking into it and, you know, the education system was actually created by Rockefeller. And it was basically a tactic during the Industrial Revolution to make sure that they were generating workers. And the education system kind of 
takes people, young minds who come in very individual, creative, and they put them in this system. Mm. I think they explain it as a machine. They put them in a machine system where they put you and they form me to be a cog, which is like a worker. And the owner of the machine owns the workers. So the way the education system is, I think it's trained a lot of people to basically forget who they are and mm-hmm. train them to be workers. And it gives them a scale. It gives you a grade point right. average. It gives you level, it measures your worthiness based on what they're giving you, but not so much on your creativity. We take maybe one art class and that's if you decide to, or you take a music class, but most of it are just a surgeons of regurgitation and memorization, but it's nothing that really makes you super creative, especially if you're in the public school system. If you go to a private school, then there's a different there's a different ballgame with that. But the general public school system is training you to be a worker. And when you are okay and you're built and you've been said that you're going to be this for 15 to 16 years of your life, you're going to come out thinking. I'm going to be this. I sometimes wonder, like, do people kind of like, how do they find their sense of self or where do they place their identity when they've given their, a really big chunk of their lives to someone else's dream? I think there's a beauty in stability. There's a beauty in security. There's a beauty in following that corporate path, that nine to five additional route. But I also can see like the worth of on your free time on on the weekends. Maybe you like to crochet, put a few crocheting projects on Etsy, just see how Mm -hmm. they do. Just to like know that you're putting something out into the world too. That's yours. That's always been something that I just wish that more people would take into consideration. But then we still have to go back to the dying question. Is entrepreneurship actually for everybody? Well, I wouldn't say that it is for everybody. Honestly, truly feel like you have to have a calling from God and you have to know that this is something that is your purpose. This is a good point, actually, because I feel like with social media, it's almost kind of fed to us a lot. Like, you know, all those motivation accounts and everybody's just like, yes. oh, so you're, so you, you're working a nine to five. You're not hustling. You're not hustle mm-hmm. culture, bro. It's almost force fed to us that we have to be this kind of person. We have to skip meals in order to take on a second job or whatever. (laughs) And I just feel like it is very important that in deciding whether it's for you or not, you have to be honest with yourself and your skills and your natural characteristics. So like for us, for example, we just started this journey and it's been amazing (laughs) it's been interesting it's been very interesting I think one thing we both learned was communication yeah because when you come into it you think like especially doing business with your friend I love my friend I love Tosin but I just didn't also understand how much communication we really need to have. We had to be very vulnerable with each other and have very good sense of understanding of where each other's coming from. Like, okay, I can do this, but I can't do this. And not being afraid to say it and say like, okay, I know you said that, but I don't really like that idea. That That's ugly to me. Or just 
And then vice versa, her telling me that she's not really rocking with my idea. And I have to be able to take that or, oh, I can't do this time. What about this time? Just having that respect, that mutual respect and that understanding and being able to communicate. And sometimes it goes beyond business. I've told Tosin so many things about my personal life because I want to be able to have that trust in her outside of the business standpoint. So I think sometimes when people think about doing business, especially a business partnership, they should really think about who they're doing business with. Is this somebody that I can trust with the back of my hand? Is this somebody that I can tell, oh, you're you're getting it wrong in this area. I want to help you here or tell me where I'm getting it wrong. Trust is one of those things that you don't really think about until you're actually like putting you're all into it and then there's like this expectation of okay because it's it's a vulnerability thing right i'm giving so much of myself i'm even giving parts of myself that i'm just discovering to this person in order for this idea to execute and it can be very nerve-wracking because like sometimes you just you want like you just always want to give your best and perfectionism can sometimes be an inhibitor to progress so it's very important to just like put that trust in that person that okay yeah she might not like it but she's going to be constructive about it and we're going to find a way to move forward with a better idea because that's what makes teams work healthy conflict and things like that but yeah what other skills have you do you think that we've picked up in this time i think along with the communication i think our listening skills definitely got a little better i know that's part of communication But sometimes I put it in a verge of its own because you're actually not communicating. You're taking the moment to pause and listen and be able to accept and not necessarily listen to respond, but listen to understand. So that's something that I've definitely taken in and just the willingness to like be adaptive to people, take calculated risk. Everything we're doing right now is a risk. We don't know what's going to come out of it. And we're putting a lot of time and a lot of effort into the things that we're doing. And that's time that we can't get back. But we're taking the calculated risk that this time that we're putting in is going to reap us benefits and it's going to give us rewards. And then also, I think another thing that I also like noticed that I got better with is being able to read the room and being able to read you if you're not comfortable with something or oh i want to keep going for like hours on end you're just like i want to take a break or if (laughs) that's so real (laughs) or if you want to do something and i just you notice that i'm a little bit more down i actually really appreciate those moments because you're able to read me you're able to read my personality that's very powerful actually and that it really helps with our growth to be honest with ourselves like we don't have all the answers we have to find that middle ground between us and our consumers and each other and everything like that i used to think that i was like the most like on top of it person I have so many different things going on and I'm hitting all of them on the nail. I'm doing everything I gotta do, but no. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to actually evaluate your discipline. Discipline is probably, whether you're in a team, whether you're by yourself, discipline is probably the most important skill that you need to acquire. Remember there's been so many times where Rachel, I'll call her, whether it's 8 a.m., whether it's 1 p.m., 
whether it's 2 a.m rachel has a schedule everything is set up exactly how it needs to go so that she could get her beauty sleep so that she could do this so she has time for her family and i'm like how is this girl like always on schedule I don't, I don't, like i don't understand like there's so much going on and then she's like i have to do this so that i'm pouring into everything equally like everything is seeing the best of me and mm-hmm. i thought that like that's powerful because a lot of people come into entrepreneurship once again with the end goal in mind and they don't remember like there's so many like mini steps that you need to take before you take that before you gain that reward that you're chasing mm-hmm. so like yeah what how have you felt about discipline i feel like discipline is something that I'm even still working at because there's this woman that I see in my future and Mm. every single day I'm taking steps to become more and more like that woman. So there's certain things that I'm not super disciplined with. For example, working out, I always need to remind myself and give myself a little pep talk. Okay, you have to work out today because you know, you know where you want to be health wise. So you have to you have to do it. You have to get up. You don't feel like it. And one thing that I learned that was really good is in order to be disciplined, instead of waking up and saying, I'm going to do this thing today, you ask yourself, am I going to do this thing today? And you are forced to be honest with yourself Ooh. and say, yes or no. <laughs> and I've noticed when I'm able to be honest with myself and say yes, I always try to make sure. Sometimes things get out of hand, but that's beyond your control. Right. But when you're honest with yourself and you say yes, you try to keep that promise to yourself. But apart from the discipline, one thing I've also made sure to have is just realistic optimism and realistic expectation. What can I do at this moment? And choosing to be happy with what I have done, what I have accomplished. We just have to be realistic with ourselves and realistic with our expectations and know that everything is is good and slow and steady ultimately wins the race. Yeah, like honestly, take your time, make calculated decisions. And in, in the long run, you'll be so much happier. In the short run, it might feel like, dang, this is so tedious. Like, But it's always worth it. But you know how it is. With the hustle culture comes the get rich quick schemes and all these things because there's a lot of people who just they hear the hustle culture and it's like dang i'm supposed to want this more than i want to eat more than i want to sleep i should be in the gym at five in the morning mm-hmm. they hear all these things they're like i don't know if i can do this long term and then they start chasing all these get rich quick schemes mm-hmm. and they're putting themselves in situations that they have no business in you don't even know in your efforts to cheat the race, to cheat the game, you're putting money in someone else's pocket and you're getting somebody else rich. Yeah. Everything is so weird and circular. People capitalize on these get rich quick schemes and all these hustle culture Instagram pages. It's just like you, that's why you got to think, you know? I heard a popular quote, never be the smartest person in the room unless you're a teacher or you're scamming everybody in the room. And that was so funny to me because when some <laughs> I, I live in Atlanta, the land of the scammers, and a lot of people are always having courses. It really makes me very sad when I see people, they make the Instagram commercials. I made 
$30,000 in one month from my drop shipping business. And I can teach you how to do this. No equipment with no money down with no nothing or the real estate <laughs> gurus who say buy your first property with no money or bad credit. And it's just what? like, I'm buy my course, buy my $300,000 course, which is on sale for a limited time only for $79. That's so real. No, why are they always on sale? That's my question, girl. It's always on sale. I've never found it for the price that it's actually supposed to be. And then you buy the course and then you just feel like you just got defeated. And it's just like, wow. So I could have really searched this up on Google. Only free cheese that you get is in the mousetrap. And I say that to say, you're getting yourself into a trap. You're getting yourself into a place where you it, you might be in a sticky situation and you it might be hard to get yourself out of it. And one thing is, especially in the Bible, it says the money that is earned with haste, it dwindles very, very quickly. So you have to remember that this takes patience, this takes time, this takes diligence, and it takes perseverance to make sure that you're going to get there. There are other ways to generate income that does not involve being an entrepreneur. Like we're hustle girlies. We've been getting money since, since the dawn, <laughs> since high school days, selling little snacks on school grounds. When they told you not to, but you still sold it anyway. I used to make little beads and I would sell it to people, I would paint and I would sell it to people. I want you to share, Tosin, what were some of the ways that you made money while you were in college? Ooh, see, one thing about me, <laughs> I'm gonna find a way to make money. <laughs> so... I think I should start back in like high school low key. <laughs> school came easy for me in high school. So I didn't really have to study too much if I took my notes well. So I, I started like a little notes business and people would buy my notes for the midterms. And after that, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good money. Let me see what else I can do. And then I started making these little fashion bows. Somebody would tell me about their personality or whatever, like say they're into music. I went and I bought these like this fabric that had music notes on it and i would cut it up and make little bows that was probably the highlight of my business that is that so fun. cute but going into the actual tea college huh tea. college is when we were making money <laughs> girl i would highly suggest look at analyze yourself what is your major for example if you're a computer science major why are you not trying to pick up some skills? Like for me, I picked up websites. I started website development. I made some websites for people. And it's not even like I had a thousand jobs, but Google how much it costs to make a website. If I charge 75% of that, I'm good. Like that's more than what most college students are making. And that's what I did. And then also tutoring. I kept up with tutoring for a while, but not as much as I wish I did. Think about this all the time. But tutoring is also a pretty good one. Oh, Rachel, no, tutoring like that girl with tutoring. Tutoring is a very lucrative business. And sometimes I didn't just do tutoring. I did homework for people. I would do homework help. My professors better not see this. But I would do homework help for people. And sometimes I would charge like up to $200 depending on the assignment. So college is like one of the best places to just make money. It's, it's so, it's you have customers. Another one that was really big well, I wish it would have been bigger if I marketed it better. I, I was lazy. Cooking. You know how many mm -hmm. college students just forget to eat during midterm season or final mm -hmm. season? I started doing these little study pack things. Like I'll just make jollof for my friends and like 
mm-hmm. give them little packs of jollof and chicken. Some of them paid, some did not. But like, <laughs> imagine if I like really set that up. That's lucrative too. Like, think about what it is that people aren't taking advantage of. There's some guys that I know in my class who never missed a gym day. Then they started personal training for some of the kids who didn't know what to do in the gym. And it's not like they were charging buku money. It was just like, you know, a calm amount that any college student can afford, but that's still income, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and the great thing about college is that you don't have to do too much. And although you're not getting a substantial amount of money, you're getting a lot of clientele. But one thing that we both leveraged a lot were internships. I learned about internships working at my campus's career center. And I know some people like, depending on your financial situation, you can save your money from your internships if your parents are paying through for your school. I had to pay for college myself. So most of my internship money went back to my college tuition along with scholarships. Scholarships are a great way to make money if you're an HBCU student. There's always the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. There's the UNCF, which is the United Negro College Fund. There's other also like other scholar like websites. I think they're scholarly. You can also go on Handshake. There's LinkedIn. There's so many resources that you can use to get jobs. There's Glassdoor and you get these internships and not only are you getting money because depending on the field you're in, you can get up to $25 to $30 or sometimes even $40 an hour for an internship that you do during the summer. And you just give up your summer and you say, okay, I'm not going to hang out with my friends this summer. I'm just going to work. And the great thing is you can make new friends. Me and Tosi met during an internship and it's crazy. We're now lifelong friends from an internship and experience that we both did just because we wanted to get a few extra money in our pocket. I want people to really hold on to the dedication that we put into taking our time to generate income that fit our lifestyle. We weren't trying to be anything that we weren't. Like mm-hmm. for example, tutoring for Rachel makes so much sense because she has a teaching spirit. She has a nurturing spirit. So of course her te- tutoring business took off. <laughs> I cook for anybody that I love. Sometimes I will, you will leave my house fat. So there's really no way. <laughs> And I feel like by identifying with our personal character traits, we really were able to find things that were lucrative for us. So please, I'm actually begging you guys, stay away from the get-rich-quick schemes. I beg. Try and find things that can can potentially create longevity. Because anything can turn into, like, a lifelong business, like generational wealth. That's something that we hear about a lot. And it's just, you know, you want to be careful not to fall for all the traps. As we talk about generational wealth, the whole idea is to just do little by little and make money little by little. And like Tosin said, find your niche, find something that you're good at, stick to it and grow it and develop it and build it. There is the traditional nine to five. Yes, but there are also other ways, especially when you're in tough situations like being in college and you can't get hired yet. You still have to fend for yourself and you still have to survive because a lot of people, we um, we are not in the position where we rely on our parents and sometimes some of us aren't even taking care of our parents. So you have to figure out ways 
to make more money and to get more money in your pocket. There's also jobs on campus that you can do. They're so lucrative. I was a resident advisor. A portion of my tuition was paid because of being a resident advisor. And that's something that I really love. And I got a lot of valuable skill sets from it. So stop letting people DM you on Instagram, asking if you have a Chase Bank account and they're trying to make you get some money. No, they're not. They're about to scam you. And yeah. it's really, really sad that a lot of people fall into those traps of just financial fraud. And it's really, God, God will watch you people. All you people scamming, God is watching you. But besides that, just don't be in such a haste, especially when you're in a position where you're not sure where your next meal is coming from or where your next check is coming from. At that time, things can get a little bit hard and it can feel like, I can't do this anymore. I need to do something. And one thing we mentioned in the last podcast is making money decently. And in a way where there's so many girls doing so many things for money and, you know, there's the rise of OnlyFans and all of these things, it all comes from a place of not having it and feeling like you have to do certain things for money and i know some people they're not comfortable with it while some people are but there's some people who are genuinely not comfortable with the way that they're making money and there's other things to look into that could be a little bit more lucrative than what you're doing now yeah um i think that's very important actually you, you never want to be too hungry for money you don't want to be too eager for anything any in life and it's in that eagerness and that desperation that you can sometimes get yourself in situations that you otherwise probably wouldn't have. So it's just very important. You know, life is a journey. The things in life worth having usually take the longest to attain. So it's just really take that time. You want to be proud of whatever you're doing or whatever you have. It's like when you bake something, when you bake something for 15 minutes, it's not as good as when you put something in the oven and it's sat there and braised and been marinated for hours, sometimes even days. That's the chicken that takes the best is the chicken that you leave overnight. And you true. just throw something together and just put it in the oven and you bake it. Cool, it's going to taste good, but it's real juicy when you leave it in. When you leave it in overnight, so just take time. And one thing I've also done with my life is going back to God. I'm always going to mention always going back to God and asking God, how do I make money in this type of way? But don't feel too eager to make money because there is this wave of trying to fit in with the world and buy things that you don't necessarily need just be just to fit in and you feel like you have to make more money and be more on top i've learned that you in order to understand what type of level of financial stability you want you have to list out the type of lifestyle that you want and calculate how much do you need to live that lifestyle and sometimes it might not be that much for some people sixty thousand dollars is a dream lifestyle and that is okay because sometimes you're it's okay it's okay to be content it's okay to be good with what you have and what you're currently building and be content and be be good with where you are and just know that 
I don't need more and I don't have to keep up with the Joneses, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Do you have anything to add? No, but I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody for tuning in for another episode of Dollars and Lip Gloss. Make sure you tune in every Monday. We'll be dropping episodes and make sure to follow the podcast, like, subscribe, follow us on all our socials, follow Pretty Girls Budget, and we'll be out. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>